This is Difficult to Please, a podcast about your 30-something-year-old homies repackaging today's subculture news, provide perspective, and to better inform people like us. In this episode, Erwin and I talk about the power of brands. Brands can mean something to everybody. I mean, with all the bunch of companies and brands consolidating and getting exclusive content out there, there are a bunch of red flags that I'm kind of worried about. The companies that were built on a promise of eliminating gatekeepers are now becoming the gatekeepers themselves. Whether it's Spotify having exclusive content with Joe Rogan, Disney Plus owning Marvel and Star Wars, Apple and Google's app stores, or the fears of Xbox and their acquisition of Activision might lock out some games from PlayStation or other like uh, gaming consoles. Brands not only represent power in the markets, but power in identity. Most consumer brands have physical products, but they often signal material quality, such as status and influence. Josh Kaufman called this one of the core human drives. Example, despite Android phones being just as capable as iPhones, people really do look down on Android phones. I mean, green bubble discrimination is real. I'd point to y'all hearing an episode of why'd you push that button titled uh, why do iPhone users judge people with green bubble X bubbles we flock to brands to give us credibility I mean an MBA from SDSU is a lot different from getting an MBA from like Stanford or Harvard right we wear fancier brands rather than Gap or Old Navy just because we feel like sometimes we might be better than that we all want to stand out to be identified as unique and individualistic but at the same time we also want to be like everyone else Brands can help form communities, and they do showcase and shape our unique personalities. We become crusaders of certain brands because we believe in its messaging, like Nike Swoosh, or writing a Tesla to show that we are environmentally uh, conscious. What you wear, lifestyle belief, and what kind of car you drive kind of tells you what kind of person you are. But what does this mean for smaller creators? How are they supposed to navigate through the gatekeepers and giants? Distribution matters, and those who sit at the top have control and have preferential treatment to the masses. Hope you all like it. Enjoy the episode. Peace. What's up, everybody? This is the Difficult to Please podcast, episode 41. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're just trying to have conversations right now. We're just trying to have conversations. (laughs) Uh, We are recording Sunday, February 6th, for those keeping track. And seeing how topical things come when we uh, publish. Yeah, see, I I like that, that you start adding dates to stuff like that, because it it makes sense. It's like, oh, yeah, we're... More current, no, yeah, it, ma- it makes a lot more sense now because you're like, Oh, why, why are they talking about a topic that was uh dated <laughs> like BTS? I'm kidding, no, this is dated. Attack me, please, don't attack me. It's all good, BTS army. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, listening with you, Arwen. Um, nothing much, really. Uh, shit, I really. I was talking with JV uh, before we started recording and said, like, I'm living that uh, super freelance life here. So uh, I'm full-time dad and um, mainly side hustling until uh, the next uh, W2 come up. So here we are. Damn. 
post filing your taxes this year was interesting. You're like, oh shit. Where you um, weren't you weren't freestyling in or freestyling. You weren't freelancing in um bars. <laughs> bars. You weren't uh, freelancing in um December, were you? Um I I was freelancing maybe like the last few months of uh twenty twenty one. Um my tax I'm pretty close to wrapping up my taxes on TurboTax. Not oh. not sponsored. Um <laughs> but um when it when it, when it comes to like doing the W twos and ten ninety nines and all that, it's like uh the taxes weren't too bad. I I claimed some like software and like hardware things that I had to pick up last year uh, as ten ninety nine purchases. So it it oh, helped out a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like I I busted a hard drive, uh, and I got it. I had to get it repaired, so I had like sent it out. Um a service and i believe that the company that actually does like the data recovery uh is based out of canada and their proprietary the proprietary tech that they own is like is close to it it's upwards of a g Jesus depending God. yeah just to recover like a, a hard drive right just pictures so, like, of a uh, baby but <laughs> no it was it was like <laughs> documents um like wedding photos a lot of uh rona's uh, hard drive backups were on it my backups from time machine backups were on it so uh, yeah i sent it out and it's like damn it's like it's a g and then it's like if you want like express and i didn't know about this like whole industry there's an industry of like data recovery oh yeah i didn't know about big, until, yeah so like my shit was like the lowest priority my it was like a g plus whereas like if there's like a 24-hour turnaround or whatever it's like upwards of like five thousand ten thousand like depending on what was on it how sensitive the data I was like oh shit dude like oh yeah it's a huge business <laughs> especially for like government and healthcare and all that it's yeah. crazy yeah, yeah like i i can imagine like if if you have like you know four terabyte hard drives and you like somehow you got a dead drive you know if it's a uh, what do you call it? Like ESATA versus a solid state. You're like, shit, you're wrecked, dude. Like, <laughs> how do you do that? Even then, that's why I like thinking about cloud storage and stuff like that, too. Fucking cloud storage, man. Security cloud storages with all those locks and shit. I don't know if you have one of those, but those are crazy, too. I don't. I okay. don't. Does Microsoft have one of those? <laughs> I think so with cloud. They do. I think with cloud drive, they do. I know one of the VPN services I use offered a two gigabyte one, and I think also has one or just like a more data plan kind of thing. They have like a super secure, I don't know, information drive. Yes. Yeah. So Damn. It's, yeah. It, it's crazy. The service is crazy. I think Dropbox does it too. Dropbox is like one of the originals in it. Yeah, I've I haven't touched Dropbox in like such a long time. I'm just so used to like Google. So like right. Google's got my money, man. So Damn, Google and Apple. <laughs> yeah, Apple and Google have my money. Speaking of people who have your money. <laughs> Where are topics today? The feds? The feds? The feds who have my money? The IRS has my money. <laughs> the IRS has my money. Buzz has my money. Blizzard has my money. Microsoft has my money. Google, Apple, they all have my money. 
Why do all they these do. companies have my money, Erwin? Why they got my money? <laughs> well, no, uh, I know we're talking about it um, because we're gamers and shit like that. And I'm like the most casual gamer of the two here. Uh, how uh, Microsoft was uh, is planning to purchase or in the process of the actual sale to purchase uh, Activision Blizzard. Um, and not happen until next. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So like they like they announced it about like a week or two ago, and right now it's it's projected to be like a a, a sixty nine billion dollar uh purchase of all of Activision Blizzard's titles, so like Call of Duty, Candy Crush. Well, wait, what? No, I thought that was yeah. Zynga or something like that. No, Activision Blizzard. No shit. I thought yeah. that was something else. I thought. Oh fuck! Candy I didn't realize that too. That's why Microsoft went after that. Gotta, Damn! Gotta have well, the game for the boomers. Just, <laughs> not just Call of Duty's, uh, World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft Overwatch. Uh, yeah. What else? Any what else? Activision. Uh, I forget. <laughs> I forget like, now. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely. Like, Candy, Candy Crush is one of their, um, one of the, 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 the studio. It's one of the studios that Activision acquired. Oh, oh that's that's what it is. See, damn, you even learned about the No, I was like, fuck. I was, because like, it's like, I only know the fucking, the top tier titles. Right, you know the like, Blizzard, oh. the main Blizzard, the main Activision game. You don't know yeah, about, I'm, like, the smaller companies that Activision also acquired. But in the, excluding, in the time that, Yeah, excluding. Uh, that's, that's why that CEO of, like, Activision's kind of, like, controversial. Well, he is controversial, but he also did a lot of good things. Like, Activision Blizzard, or Activision specifically, Grew big under him because of all these different acquisitions. Because they bought a bunch of shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I thought I thought Candy Crush and, and those mobile games were something else. Like I thought they were just AAA independent type. I want to fact check myself. You fact check live fact check. I'm like, okay, while we fact check, because I'm gonna look at Activision. What titles besides Call of Duty? I know Tony Hawk is there, but. Uh, <laughs> Not relevant, not like a always coming out title. Uh, see all games. Yeah, it's here. under Activision. It's a subsidiary Damn, of Activision. Okay, so yeah, obviously, yeah, but all the Call of Duties uh, in Activision, uh, Spyro. Uh, yeah, that's like the main games in Activision when I'm looking up on fucking their website. Then obviously, Blizzard has. All the the MMO uh, fucking you know the vibes. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to fact check myself real quick because I didn't know if it was owned by Microsoft or it was owned by Activision, but okay, yeah, it's definitely owned by Activision. So yeah, so, so Candy Crush is, has the, the the makers of Candy Crush. Correct. They're the very Damn. studios that they bought too. But um Yeah, but other than that, so so you see that with that gaming side, I think if Microsoft purchases Activision, they will be the third biggest gaming company in the in all of the, the whole gaming thing. Because number one, Sony, and I forget what number two was. Well, then number now, three well, would yeah. be Microsoft. Yeah. Well, now, I think Epic, I think Epic is two. Epic? I think so. I, I forget how it is, but I know my, if, if this goes mm-hmm. through, Microsoft will be up there. Well, even now, how uh, recently, the last few days, 
Sony is buying Bungie creators of Destiny and the like developers, former developers of Halo, um, which Sony won't have the IP for Halo. Halo is still like a Microsoft Xbox kind of deal. So, um, so Sony buys Bungie for 3.5 bill. So at this point, you know, and, and where software and hardware is at, it's, it's just a fucking arms race, man. Like it's Sony versus fucking Microsoft for your attention. Like in a gaming world, in a gaming world. Yep. And it's crazy because Nintendo is like so far behind, but and they're doing fine. And then you're gonna have your competitors like Steam. That's like the I Steam Deck. Like, yep. Well, not even the Steam Deck. It's just like Steam in general. But then I guess you could say, well, you have to play it on a PC or a. For the most part, Microsoft essentially still wins. But yeah, no, no. Then you have like those big or competing markets. You have Sony, PlayStation, or Sony, Windows. Steam, then it's like a yeah. Then I want to say Nintendo. I'm not sure where you're gonna fit Epic Games in. Yeah, all these companies, all these big gaming companies right now have mm-hmm. so much money going into it. Whether it's like big investment from like big tech, because you know um, Facebook and um, or Meta now, oh, yeah. Meta and um, Apple Google and are Google are trying to get into the gaming space too yep. with Google Stadia, uh, Facebook with oculus and then uh, apple with apple arcade but obviously that's nowhere in yeah the, there's no console but no it's console. just software a uh, software but yeah so no, it, it, yeah it's crazy because uh now like what this says about power is like yeah now we're we're getting into a weird period in our economy that we're now tightly looking at industries like we're, mm-hmm. we're always talking about big tech and then, then we're talking about big ed now, big pharma could be big agriculture next, and now it's gonna be big gaming. And it's just it's crazy how all these concepts are now like becoming more more prevalent in uh day to day life now. Well, even now, like with with gaming, and, it, and I don't think like my point for all you know bringing this up is like. When, when it comes to consolidation, it just becomes like this monopoly, which is not, I don't think it's a good thing to, uh, as as a gamer or casual, or even like looking at it as an uh, economic perspective, it's not a good, it's not always good when you have like these really strong, like gaming developers, gaming focus, get bought out by the people that, uh, you know, have the consoles right so sony ps5 consoles in in the software so it's like when you get when you have software plus hardware you're like fuck you're getting all these like pieces of content which is going to start like pricing things out and getting fucked for the smaller AAA studios right 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 correct yeah but then i guess you can also argue those any companies have homes such as steam such as uh, uh nintendo now they're, they're now like seeing like indie creators, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna find Monster Girl Date Life on Sony or, or the Xbox. I'll definitely find that on the Steam on a random back corner of like a Steam sale page. <laughs> What's well, like even now? It's like well, if anybody's gonna develop any kind of game or software, how do how do you like 
what's the strategy? Is it grow it grow and get acquired, but just like any any other startup now, or what's up? You know, and, I mean, gaming is kind of like interesting in its own aspect because the, there are some games out there, and they're mm-hmm. actually on Steam. But yeah, indie games like uh, there are two people who build Seven Days to Die, and that's uh, mm-hmm. like an ongoing beta project that's been on Steam for so many years. And then there's the that infamous uh, Undertale, if you've heard of it, it's about a single creator creator he made a game like pretty much on like i don't want to say it's an rpg maker but it looks like an rpg maker kind of thing but ah that's interesting yeah i mean so those there there are successful like indie games out there but yeah like you uh how would you start spreading that content out like triple a gaming studios is like that's on a new level but i you know with gaming there's always like so many different type of niches out there so you're gonna you're gonna find where it's at i guess (laughs) Well, even like the niche and, and this is kind of like a, a side story that I was telling JV how uh, Sega in Japan is selling off their uh, arcade business to a, a private equity, right? So even though in the US, you know, arcades are pretty much dead and, and Japan were like the original, like the originators of the arcade and popularized the arcade. Um, before coming to America, like their their big one in Akihabara, Tokyo, was like they shut Bro, that down. Ikebura. What, what it's, a, it's a different just, place. It's it's a different. Not, not no, no, it's not Akihabara. They did close down in Akihabara, but the big one was in Ikebura. The three story one. Okay, so okay, that, that I mean, you're part right. Yeah, yeah, sorry, just <laughs> correcting, correcting. <laughs> live live fact checks. <laughs> No, okay, but, but yeah, well, the point is, yeah, arcades. so like they think things are dying, so there's Sega's getting out dying. of the <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> things are dying, and um, what well, the thing about Sega and and their arcade business being sold off, and they're gonna try and revive it or figure a way out in the in this new uh new era of of gaming and COVID and all that. It's like, um. What's what's gonna happen for the arcades and gaming and like I guess the idea of gaming in real life is like some 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 of it is participating in gaming and there's a uh the other half is like just spectating right so it's like it's like watching Evo it's like watching somebody play DDR really good at the arcade or any other uh kind of spectator sport. Mm-hmm. Like you see on Twitch, <laughs> yeah, 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 but in real life, yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, do you think Oculus might have like a play in this? Like, if everyone's like, oh, instead of being in like a Gundam pod in an arcade, I'll just be in a Gundam <laughs> pod in my own room with my own chair by myself. What I'm, I'm just, gonna, I just want to see like the first kind of like major title be played on Oculus. Because like I'm not convinced right now with with the titles. I I think the 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 coolest one is that lightsaber one. Saber, Beat Saber, yeah yeah yeah. That one looks pretty cool, but I'm not like Half Life Alex. Yeah, really good game. It looks really great on VR. It's trippy. Uh, obviously, horror games are really good on VR. You were trying oh, yeah. playing Phasmophobia <laughs> on VR. That thing was terrifying. <laughs> I can't even play fucking Resident Evil one or two, man. Like the remakes, <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> Number two is so fucking scary. I would never. 
Anyways, Even yeah. like shitty, it's the shitty graphics and the fixed angles, man. That fucked you up, man. Yeah, that seriously. You up. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to play this one called Devour. They just opened one of like a Japanese, uh, Japanese spider. It comes after you. <laughs> I was like, fuck this. <laughs> if I play that in VR, it's like if the ghost catches you, it's gonna do like a jump screen, a uh, jump scare on you. Hell nah. And I was like, yo, if you imagine playing this on VR, like people would be dead. I would be dead. I would mean like cardiac arrest all over on my. Well, I think I think the Anyways, real, yeah, the real evolution of like arcades and spectators spectator sports is going to be like esports arenas, like going to Vegas and checking out the like the whatever thousand seat arena and watching fucking I don't know. I, I I'm so out, like League of Legends or like going to a, going to like a, a a sports stadium just to watch somebody like a team, a professional team play. Now, would uh, the professional team be there? I don't know. I, I'm just I'm <laughs> like, just I I, that's what I'm saying. It could be that, or it could be just like instead of instead of lining up your quarters to play Marvel Marvel versus Capcom two at the arcade, like you know, it, I think the next the real step is like watching other people play video games in the luxury or like kind of like a sport like a like a real sport <laughs> real sport yeah I'm not sure. sport. what's the one in vegas gay and again one in uh, vegas all the boxers go to mandalay bay no mandalay bay yeah okay. man i'm um, crazy just all lining up in the mandalay bay well because even now like uh hey, link it uh mgm resorts they in the luxor they renovated part of their like conference room or something like that so it's called now called the hyper x esports arena what the fuck i guess cool. yeah hey, so I, I mean we linked it i linked it for you to jv it's in the it's in the, that first part the notes and shit like that so yeah it's it's uh it's interesting because uh the, the mgm specifically invested a bunch of million like millions of dollars to into this like like very niche thing that's specific to like the gamering. World. I guess I guess they kind of got a glimpse of that with Evo, right? Yeah, I think I think that's the future. I'm not sure how that's gonna work like in real life, where it's like, hey, meet me at where uh, Tilt used to be in Mission Valley. We're just gonna go one v one on on a big 65 inch TV. Uh, Fortnite fight me and you know shut up that I don't know man like <laughs> it's gonna be specific. more <laughs> it's gonna be very specific because uh I don't know how it's gonna be like like I think that's a, the 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 top tier of like spectating in like arcades of like watching other people play in real life but I don't know what that means like just like the the mini tier is it fight me on Twitch or is it more like <laughs> I don't I'm know. Yeah, the like, backside of Albert Sands. I have like my CRT TV, <laughs> power cables, and let's go, buddy. You're like someone's gonna open up a new, like a new uh, internet cafe, like what is it? NubiNet, NubiNet, or fucking GNet, <laughs> iNet, all the nets. There's so many know, internet like, cafes back then. Yeah, <laughs> there's so there was a lot. Um, but now, yeah, I too ahead it's, of its time. Too ahead of its time. It, I think it was right on point uh, yeah. because it's like, I remember like not a lot of people had like internet access, right? Internet access was fucking like expensive back in the day, especially That's like non 56k. Like if you were just hooked up on a like basic ass desktop, 
on on like a LAN uh wired internet. Like that's you know, you know, fucking DSL or whatever. Yeah, that works. But like because I remember the library had that kind of like connection, like the LAN like cable DSL, but like there was only like three computers. <laughs> but I get it. It's true. I get it. And then there were it. gaming computers. Now, no, no, everyone's everyone's trying to get a gaming computer. I'm trying to get a gaming parts. laptop now. Ew. Is are we Game? going back to gaming laptops? I thought gaming we're laptops going... went out of style. No, because of with the the a recent trend, they thought laptop sales were going to die because of the whole work from home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone got their own corporate laptops already. Actually, Microsoft saw a lot uh, a rise in laptop sales. Right now, Microsoft laptops are. Um, uh, Beating a market right now, and or they're doing really well in the market compared to most Apple products. But I like, mean, M1, like the actual Surface, is that what? Or no, no, no. There... just you know, it could be a Dell, it could be. Oh, I got you. Some people are just getting laptops now, and now laptops are becoming their all-in-one device. So mm-hmm. now they want to be able to game and work on their laptop. So now that's interesting. Now everyone's that's kind of getting like everyone's saying like. Oh, if you really want like a good video production laptop, go ahead grab a gaming laptop that has like graphic card, the RAM, the processor, and everything. So just like everyone's kind of moving toward gaming laptop or ga- laptops being an all-in-one device. You're gaming, your work, and your hobby business because like with everyone staying inside, no one really needed like a big ass phone, right? So mm-hmm. upgrade the peripheral home your PC or your laptop and. I find that interesting. I'm like, I didn't realize that uh, people were copying gaming laptops because of be surprised, the, plug yeah. and play, the plug and play aspect of it. Right, like, right. Because that's the thing. Now it's yeah. gaming, building gaming laptops that are power efficient. And right now, I think the um, Asus ROG Cypress G14 and G15 are like the best performing battery laptop laptops right now. So, yeah. So people want like, a decent working laptop. I mean, if you think about it, if you had all that power, like, our documents is so fast. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just things. Like, all the fucking tabs you can have open. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like me. <laughs> I'm the 30-tab guy. Definitely I, that 30-tab guy. I'm anti-tabs. Like, I, I can max out maybe at, like, 10, 15. And then I'm like, nah, I'm never going to look at this shit, dude. Let me just close it. <laughs> I make sure all my tabs are closed by the end of the day. You're fucking tripping, bro. <laughs> I still have like probably twenty tabs open right now. I got like twelve tabs open. Uh, I have like three focused ones, but that's about it. You know the vibes. I've, <laughs> I've... <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyways, yeah, that's that's the whole thing with big companies taking over everything, right? Like. Look how, like, look at the reach that Microsoft trying to do with in gaming. Uh, we, we see this with Google, Amazon, and um, Apple, too. But then, like, that's, that's, that's like the power of brands, right? That's the power of uh, monopolies and power. And these are kind of like the, uh, the issues that we're, that our government is trying to address. You know, you have people like Tim Wu, who does not only go after big tech, he's actually looking at big agriculture next and big, uh, mm-hmm. Arma, and then like, who knows maybe gaming might be on the next chopping block too. But because like, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. like if you think about it, like the thing with uh 
what was it? What did I say? Agriculture is that agro? Yeah, yeah, big agro right now. The it's only four major companies that own like the agriculture space compared to pre Reagan eras where like twenty five percent of the market involved like the big uh agriculture companies. And mm-hmm. now it's like, and the rest would be like smaller ones. But now it's the other way around. Yeah, like agriculture so like controls prices. most of the market. Yeah, yeah, the prices. Um, I mean, I, I think the uh, when I was saying about uh, AAA is like, if if uh, in getting the their their titles on the platforms right, and if they get like priced out, or if there's more kind of like the the Apple and uh, Epic Games situation where Epic Games wants to circumvent uh, their Apple tax. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, so if like if it's an independent gaming developer and it's like, it's going to take more if, right, I'm just fucking conjecture here, if it's going to take, if it's going to cost more to put it on their platforms, is it, you know, how long will it that company survive before they also get acquired for whatever successful title they have. Sure. You know? That's also a fair yeah. point too. And like, not only that too, another, like what could be bad about having these big companies with the consolidation of all these, um, gaming markets is, uh, you know, essentially they're going to be the gatekeepers going forward. This is the problem we're having with like different industries going forward. Like with agriculture, the farmers have to deal with the distributors with, Tech, it's you know the Google Play Store and the Apple mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. App Store, and you know whatever stuff like Microsoft's trying to slightly control. And if mm-hmm. that's going to happen with gaming, also, like you said, where where is they going to put? Where's the next AAA studio going to form? Is like, are they just going to be indie studios until they all get bought out? And yeah, okay, right. now we got to work for Apple, and it's crazy. I mean, we saw that with the Spotify and Joe Rogan thing, right? Spotify bought. Rogan's pod or license. I don't know. And an exclusive know, contract with him. To you. I, yeah, I like they the, signed the, an exclusive contract, contract with, with him contract. for like a hundred million dollars, yeah. and it's like, well, okay, now that's Spotify trying to control the avenue of podcasting now. Because even before mm-hmm. that, even before um, Joe Rogan was on Spotify, he was available everywhere. You could get him on an RSS feed, and especially mm-hmm. you can get him on YouTube. Now he's exclusive to Spotify, so. I think that's what um, people were worried about. We're not exclusive to Spotify. We're so not exclusive. We're... <laughs> I mean, we're with Anchor, man. Anchor is bought by Spotify. Yeah, Anchor is owned by Spotify. And whatever sense we get from each episode, we just kind of let it hang out. We have no investments in Spotify. We don't hold anything. We're just saying. We got a dollar. We have a few dollars from... My 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 break, ad break from the either the beginning or the middle of this podcast. <laughs> Wherever I put it, right? I either put it in the beginning or in the middle. Wherever it is, put that, it there. that weird one minute thing I say that has gotten us a few dollars. <laughs> Yo, that is. So we're not owned by Spotify, right. but we are slightly paid, slightly, slightly, <laughs> slightly paid by Spotify. That's interesting. Yeah, like so. Yeah, that's true. No conflict of interest because we are fucking not. We're not oh, I know. We're not contracted. We just have a little bit of money from Spotify. Spotify pays bit. for my Mexican candy weekly. <laughs> just kidding. 
<laughs> it pays for for those kids who uh try and sell you the caramel apple pops oh in God. their backpacks. <laughs> like they the hella next up, candies, like you say. They hella like up the upsell you on that. Like, I'm yeah, just... 50 cents. Caramel apple pop. Let's go. The fuck? I can buy a whole box for like two bucks. <laughs> yeah, 50 cents. <laughs> it's just like we fucking it sparked a really specific memory from high school. Like <laughs> people selling candy. For like 50 cents a pop, I'm like, yo, I heard you got the good shit. <laughs> I heard you got the Mexican one that, that looks like a crayon. <laughs> and when... Looks like a crayon. I know exactly what you're talking about. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, they just triggered Ooh. a weird, very specific memory. I can imagine Air Mesa school. Oh, hey. shit. Jansport backpack. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so that's that's what we were saying about, like, these companies now owning the guardrails to, like, different access points, mm-hmm. I guess. And what's funny is that they're doing the things that cable, that internet was built to disrupt out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're about oh, yeah. to disrupt the cable industry. We're going to phone companies. And companies are doing the same exact thing. Everyone's trying to consolidate, have to hold gardens and... Great flow and access. They're trying to make their what's that? Their flywheel effect really strong. So. Yeah, going back there yeah. and again. They're just trying to like grease it up, man. Like they're just trying to own the whole like the whole ecosystem here, which is kind of not really my thing. I don't like when big ass companies own a bunch of shit. <laughs> just like half why, why, why you already own my life, dude. I can <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> I, if I was going to, like, defend that for a little bit, the only good thing about consolidation is that it makes things more efficient, question mark. That's just about it. It just makes things more, a lot more efficient. Yes. That's I'll, it. I'll, I'll, from the end user point of view, yes, it might make things more efficient, right? Versus, because, like, when Microsoft ends up buying Activision Blizzard, it's like, okay, what's redundant across, you know, are they going to lose, are we going to um lose jobs are we gonna drop software titles because i mean like like uh overwatch 2 has been rumored to be in development but with all of like blizzard's uh uh allegations in in their kind of how they run their workplace i feel like it's been dropping off and and how what the progress is to see overwatch 2 so it's like the microsoft purchase certainly helps bails out activision blizzard kind of on a pr standpoint kind of like gives them a like a new slate when when that purchase happens but it's like okay what oh, does microsoft have a a larger say at the end of the day when this purchase does complete yeah will they say like yo we can't we're not gonna make any more of this title we're not gonna put more r&d money into this we're just gonna stick with the, the greatest hits type shit you know mm-hmm. uh, i wonder though because like I wonder what the end game would be because I know a lot of them are trying to go to like cloud gaming mm-hmm. and like, you know, we saw that with the digital, digital only PlayStation 5 and Xboxes. So it makes me mm-hmm. wonder like what's, what's gonna be the next move? Is it going to be the absence of a, of a console now? Like what if Microsoft suddenly said like, I, I remember people were kind of getting worried that certain titles are only going to be Microsoft bo- or Xbox exclusive only. Mm-hmm. And I think that was Call of Duty, right? Call of Duty was one right. of them. And then they're like, oh, as of right now, it's not going to be. It's going to be on PlayStation and uh, 
Xbox. And to be honest, that's perfect competition. Is it's like if your game can be available on like all the different uh, markets, that's like mm-hmm. your competition right there. Right. And then that would be I like a that. good thing. But if they're saying like, oh, it's only exclusive this, only ex- exclusive that, yeah, that's when things can get kind of tricky because I don't want to buy like one system for <laughs> no. each game I want to play kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I mean, we kind of do that with it right knows. now. We're kind of dealing that right now. But. Yeah, right now it's very specific. Like, because of Nintendo, Nintendo fucking like owns Pokemon, owns the, owns the software and, and are all from top down, right? So, like, yeah, Pokemon. You're not going to play Pokemon on a non-Nintendo device, except with obvious, the obvious exception is if you're going to run an emulator. Wait, what, man? Or, What's an emulator? I mean, what? I'm just kidding. What's an emulator? <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on, go on, go on. No, it's like, okay, just like how Mario... Mario hasn't been on anything but a Nintendo platform. Now it's like, okay, they... What was it, last year or... Le- 2020 when they released Mario Kart on Apple Store. I just forget which that year it was. But oh yeah, yeah, I remember that was that. a big ass deal. Like oh, shit, ass Ma- deal. Mario Kart's yeah, it's finally, finally mobile. not. Yeah, it's finally I mean, mobile. Yeah, yeah. So it's like okay, Pokemon Go also. Yeah. So oh, that that's the thing about like Nintendo. Nintendo is like its own thing. They're they're doing great. <laughs> For Walled Garden, they're doing great. For Walled Garden, they. They're doing great. They really should have just bought fucking Sega from like the get go. When <laughs> they should have just bailed them out instead of like Sonic versus fucking Mario or like <laughs> they should have got bailed out after Dreamcast was a flop. Like I would have just been That's Dreamcast is like <laughs> I feel bad, but it's like yeah, it was unfortunate. It was an unfortunate flop. Such a good system, though. Ugh. But yeah, no. So with all the consolidation, like we're seeing consolidation in other markets also, and like one of the big things, kind of say, well, not really consolidation, mm. but um, I guess what's also that I'm kind of worried about is like this new direction, for, uh, like fashion is going to, like the one, like you know, speaking mm. of like monopolies and stuff like that, like one of the biggest fashion monopolies right now is. LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Tennessee. Louis Vuitton, Moet, Tennessee. Yeah, I didn't realize that they own so many, like so many subbrands. Yeah, yeah, and they're all like luxury brands too. Like I didn't know they own Marc Jacobs. That's crazy. And like we were, uh, Erwin sent me this article, but they also own Kenzo too. Yes. So, I'm just like, oh, Nico going to Kenzo. Like, yeah, at first like, I thought it was like, yeah, this sounds like a good match. But then like, I saw who owns Kenzo. And I was just like, oh, this kind of makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's, uh, I'm on the wiki right now. So LVMH, the, the, besides the, the names itself, right? Louis Vuitton, Vuitton, blah, blah, blah. Right. So some of the things here, uh, Birkenstock, Christian Dior, Fendi, Givenchy. Um, uh, Mark Jacobs, you said off white. Uh, <laughs> okay, gone. Um, let's see here. Uh, and and then the wine spirits, yeah, Hen- they got Hennessy, obviously. Uh, uh, Chandon, the champagne, Dom Perignon, 
Schmerz big wrapping ones. Yeah, the Belvedere, like the the ones that the really expensive shit. So yes, LVMH has all these kind of like really high end things, and including Kenzo, which uh, famed pioneer in streetwear, Nigo of vape fame, human made. Uh, human made is now the was it creative director? Was creative director of Kenzo. This uh, also a fashion house in Paris. Let's speak, uh, going back real quick, uh, when you mentioned Off-White, they also own Off-White. Mm-hmm. I, I just, like, at that, the Air Force, the Louis Vuitton Air Force one she designed by Virgil, and <laughs> I was just like, oh, this makes a lot more sense now. Okay, whatever. Was, <laughs> now I get it. Now I get this. Virgil. Rest in peace, Virgil. Rest Virgil. And but he was a director, yeah. creative director at Louis Vuitton too. Yes, yes. It's it's for me. It's interesting seeing the rise of a, a luxury street fashion. I don't know how to put it because like Nico and um, Bape and Supreme were like big three about or Nico Bape or Bape. What? You see. Mm-hmm. I want to say ice cream, or like back then, like the three big luxury street brands before. Yeah, cream became yeah. a part of that. Yes, yeah. So it's crazy seeing that now, and then like the rise of now luxury street brands becoming a thing, and having ego like, of like street fashion fame like go to Kenzo, which is like a more a a beat fashion, but like a more of a high class kind of more fashion style. It was like an interesting choice, but I also thought like, yeah, I can kind of see this now because I feel like that's where streetwear is going. Like, what was that one brand my nephew kept telling me about that? That Arc looks like Arcterics, huh? Arcterics. It was like the Ames something or whatever. Oh, Ames Leon Dior. Yeah, I, when I saw those brands, I'm like, oh wow, these are like hundred dollar cardigan. This is insane. I get it. it yeah, I, but like for me, I'm like, I keep thinking about like this is like the strength and the power of brands too is that if you own like it's one of these, yes. yeah, if you own one of these, you are signaling something. Either signaling that you're a high class or a better class and that like you're well off. You think you're better than me, bro? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like... You, you got Louis Vuitton Air Forces, dog? Like, you know, like when you people... OG Mark Vans? I mean, Mark Jacobs? <laughs> Hey, hey, leave my Mark Jacob Vance alone. Because, like, we all try to be unique at the same time. We try to be better, like, different from others. But, like, at what point does everyone owning the same Supreme shirt, owning the same Louis Vuitton bag, like, make you different from everyone else? And I think having Nigo and street fashion part of it is high-end fashion's way of bringing in, like, that crowd of people is like, Ever try on a Louis Vuitton sneaker? Before? <laughs> this shit's tight, huh? No one else has it because no one can afford it. <laughs> well, because like, okay, with, with with I I felt when uh uh Virgil went Virgil Abloh went to Louis Vuitton, like that was like a, That's a huge. different that was a huge thing, and uh because the person who he replaced Kim Jones. Oh, I, I want to get my facts straight. I, I believe Kim Jones was one of the OGs of Supreme. But he's now at Christian Dior. 
Oh, interesting. Okay, so he went from like street to high end fashion. Yeah, but he was so like under the uh, downplayed. No, but Kim Jones did bring the Supreme Louis Vuitton collab. Like okay. that's that's for sure. I don't know if he's an OG of Supreme though. Now I have to fucking fact check myself later. But yeah, so he went to Dior, then uh, Virgil went to uh, had Louis Vuitton, which was like at the time it's like it's a trip because. Um, Virgil was doing off white, and off white it was like this kind of like experimental streetwear, uh, high end streetwear, uh, brand. So it's like it was a, in like a like an interesting direction for Louis Vuitton to pick Virgil to lead Louis Vuitton for the next few years. So I thought that was a one off thing, but then it's like okay, now it's like getting Nigo into kenzo it's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. like or is this is this the point where brands big brands are just gonna pull people who they think are pushing the like limits of streetwear um into like positions of like these old school brands uh of luxury that's all it's a trip i'm not sure how i feel about it I think it's interesting because uh, Louis Vuitton has been kind of like famous for doing these weird off like collaborations and special ones. Like for example, or like I'm always so curious who Louis Vuitton adds as their creative director. Cause like that really, that's for me and the reason why I kind of like Louis Vuitton. Like mm-hmm. for me, the re- how I got involved, like really started liking Louis Vuitton was when Takashi Murakami was part of. Uh, Takashi Murakami. Was one that of the was, creative that directors. Was the one. That was the one that got me into it. And then well, I was because like that was peak like um Pharrell and Nigo, right? So right. when uh when Takashi Murakami did the 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 multicolored logo bandana that uh Nigo and Pharrell was wearing, like yeah, that was like was... that was a fucking trip. That whole collection of uh the multicolored Louis Vuitton logos and like bags, um the accessories and all that. So it was like a it was like a trip. Yeah, it was something really not Louis Vuitton, but also very Louis Vuitton ish. And then you had uh, Mark Jacobs, who took over as creative director, who's also one of my mm-hmm. other favorite creative directors. Uh, he added a bunch of interesting collaborations to it, like uh, adding Hatsune Miku into his summer line. And then, obviously, you had Virgil came in. Um, they did a Final Fantasy team collaboration, too. And also did that, using Lightning as their, their model. I'm trying to think what else. So that's what I mean by, like, these power brands have like ah they're there's they could come up with so many interesting things, but they also control the mm-hmm. real so many interesting Yeah. And like, like wasn't it uh Kashimura Kami that did the like short film anime attached to the mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton commercial? Vuitton yeah, commercial. Man, yeah. Like what Our... like who's who's doing anime commercials for Louis Vuitton? Like <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> Let's say I kind of like I adore Louis Vuitton. Oh, didn't Louis Vuitton also do like skins for League of Legends too, or something like that? Shit. I remember. We, yeah, you're we right. Kind of we reported about that. This. Yeah, we talked yeah, about we that. Did. Yeah, Fuck. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Our brands are crazy, and then like Our brands, and then like how all these different cultures are kind of meshed together with like street fashion and like esports. They're all kind of like now meeting like mainstream culture stuff. It's interesting. Oh, we scene. also talked about how Louis Vuitton was doing the Fortnite case, right? Like the trophy or some shit. I remember you mentioned that, yeah. Fuck, yeah, yeah. The power of brands, man. Louis Vuitton is trying to get out there with the 
fucking and Burberry is oh. gonna do collaboration with Supreme next too, and I oh, fucking love Burberry. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, we talked about this <laughs> offline. So when you mentioned, as I'm saying, the power brands, and this is like the, the very strange but interesting direction where street fashion's going. So now we think about it again. Now we're coming back to this. What about the indie brands? What about the if you're not like a triple A brand, how are you gonna <laughs> as an indie studio? Are you gonna go on Redbubble and sell your shit until like it becomes popular? Or what? Like, there's some well, successful think, indie um, yeah, artists are doing it. their own street brands right now. Yeah, so I think um, the power brands for the like the little guy or any independent creator is um, it's it's so much different from when uh, like from when I guess streetwear started, right? Like when we so were into it, like yeah. So instead of like going to a brick and mortar, there's only a, a few fucking places. Karma Loop. Yeah, like Karma Loop died. <laughs> right? Karma Loop had that indie <laughs> section for all of his indie clothes. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not like oh well, well, obviously with the exception of a few places like Tiff or like Amadeleon Dior, which have places in New York, which already have kind of like the the separation of like streetwear. It's like that in between streetwear and and high end. That's what we're at. Um, in some of those cases, so. For a brand to be successful, it's like be unique, find your audience, find your niche. That's why like anime is doing really well in the fucking uh in the space, and that's why you see so many fucking <laughs> Naruto street fashion <laughs> stuff. Naruto street fashion, Yu Yu Hakusho, fucking uh Demon Slayer. Yeah, I don't know. It's what bizarre. Else. I feel yeah. so Every, old. Anything you can get on the Uniqlo now, pretty much. <laughs> And like anything you can, like, yeah, it's crazy uh, seeing all these like different trends and like, uh, like the things that like we kind of kept on the ground are again, it's a recurring theme in our episodes. Like, they back, they keep coming back, you keep coming back. Well, I remember, okay, like, I this is kind of like, uh, going back to to the Virgil and and Louis Vuitton thing. It's like recently, uh, the John CJ, the corrector, creative. I don't know what his title is with Uniqlo. Was that he? He was actually gonna release a collection with Virgil before he passed away. He was like he sent him like approvals and like they were gonna work on something for Uniqlo, like a Virgil for Uniqlo. So that would have also been fucking like fire as fuck too. So I got something. I think yeah, Uniqlo does a really good job of basics. They're obviously the Japanese fucking Gap, um, but with their tees and their collections. They they really hit on something in, in in nerd culture, whether it's like celebrating the Gundam 40th anniversary, or um, their collection with like Pokemon, Disney, etc. Like they're really good at like the, the the graphic tea section of like okay, like they're tapping to the culture. Like who's who's the audience that ah, fuck I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying they know they know their shit. They know the shit because they know exactly who's going to buy their stuff because there are times where Uniqlo shirts sell out. Like, what was that? I remember we were trying to get some clothes from Uniqlo. Like, was it a kind of Kira collaboration or something like that? Or something I forget, like that. but I just remember there, there, there are times when Uniqlo tries to come with um, uh, special collabs that they just sell it instantly. They made um, scarcity a lot more affordable. The only thing is, like, my only problem with 
really focusing on brands only is that like it's it's fine to be uh like an ambassador for a brand i think that's fair you should do that mm-hmm. but i also don't think you should just finally uh, finally follow it too because now that these brands are hiring different creatives to like lead mm-hmm. their brand we should also be focusing on like the artists like the virgils the uh the creative directors of this brand etc example um like for me i really love the 2007 mark jacob van collection like i still have <laughs> that and i specifically got that for that you know you're yeah. not gonna it, it's harder to find that 2007 mark jacobs all white van slip-ons compared mm-hmm. to it was fighting all white slip-ons when squid games came out kind of thing you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so it's yeah. like there's like a big difference in that kind of thing. Like you know, Squid Games is the power of popularity and like Nash Drive, Mark Jacobs X Van collection from 2007 was a very very specific, very very niche. If you know, you know kind of thing collab. So I kind of wish street fashion kind of like starts going back that route with the power of information and like the internet and stuff like that. I know this can be a little bit harder, but yeah, what I'm saying is brands are crazy. Don't forget about the smaller artists going forward. You know, your indie studios, your indie fashion artists, your indie chefs, your indie farmers, <laughs> your indie farmers, and stuff like that. Your your independent creators, uh, the like the podcast. You know, the podcast you're listening to. We're independent creators, slightly paid by Spotify, slightly like three bucks. Not not bought out though. Not bought out. And Spotify has its own issues, so you should yes. catch up to what's going on with that and Joe Rogan. That might be another episode stuff. for another time. Yeah, that's going to be another episode. <laughs> you know, on how, uh, Spotify uh, or Anchor, when by Spotify, houses us, so I'm not going to burn this shit down. <laughs> We're not going to burn shit down. <laughs> we try to grow the podcast, so uh, hey. when... <laughs> I'm just that... Uh... Oh, you got anything else? No, I thought you were gonna. I was gonna just. Pop. I was. I, I was like, like you. We. Oh, no, <laughs> we did the wrap up. You. Hey, I thought you were gonna do the wrap up. Yeah. So if uh, you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button, and subscribe. Uh, and we are available on Anchor and Spotify, obviously, uh, and <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts. So Google that's podcast, Google Podcasts, about- Apple Podcasts. Um. Yeah, that's I, I, it. Other independent podcast network <laughs> that aren't owned. <laughs> that, I know Megaphone's owned. owned by Spotify, also. So not owned by Spotify, not owned by Google or Apple. We're also probably there. Yeah, I don't know who owns Pocket Cast, <laughs> but we're probably there too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So everyone. we'll see you next time. Peace. Episode mm-hmm. forty-one. Forty-one. Eight. <laughs>